I'm Dan Beyer, and here are the sports betting headlines for Thursday, April 1st. Baseball is back, and America's, America's pastime may give you the easiest way to make a buck. The NFL's 17th game is here, but is it destined to hurt the league's best teams? And Chris Beard is the toast of the town in Austin, Texas. Not so much in Las Vegas, Nevada. Don't miss the next hour of Straight Out of Vegas, covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Sitting in for R.J. Bell, I'm Dan Beyer. He is Steve Fezzik. Sitting in for R.J. and Jodas Knox today. Steve, I expect nothing less than by the end of today's show for you to take $150 from me. That's uh, nothing less from you today (laughs) as it is my maiden voyage here on Straight Out of Vegas. Uh, you might be sandbagging on me, Mr. Byer. I think some of my sources have told me you're um, not new to this gambling game. Uh, oh, come on. I don't know. Maybe it was Mackenzie Rivers. I don't know, Mackenzie. Did you give him any inside information? Is that what we've got going on here? I, I do know this. You're going to want to stay tuned for the next hour because Fezzik is going to teach me how to count cards in blackjack. It's going to happen. It's going to happen during this show. So for the next 60 minutes, you do not want to leave. But we start out with the uh, – you have to start out on opening day. It is it is finally here. Major League Baseball is here. We're seeing games almost everywhere, just not between the Mets and Nationals or in Boston because of rain. But I was surprised to find out that baseball could be the way to make the easiest amount of money when it comes to betting sports, Fez, because to, to me it just doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense that with 162 games, with teams winning 60 here, another team's going to lose 60, and what you, what you do with the other 40, that baseball to me would seem like more of the toss-up when it comes to betting in sports of the one that you would want to stay away with. That's not the case? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, you know, the pro bettors love one aspect of baseball betting, and that is the nickel line, the minus 105 juice. Well, they call it a dime line, where if two teams are evenly matched in football and basketball, in pretty much every sport, you have to lay 110 to win 100. But in baseball, you only have to lay minus 105. So if you put the math behind that to break even, If you could just pick 51.3% winners, I know that sounds ludicrously low, in pick'em games, you will break even. Any higher, you make money, Dan Byer. So why is the VIG lower in baseball than any other sport? Because historically, when people were betting, they shied away from baseball. It wasn't as popular. And so the books in Nevada said, you know, we need to entice people. We need to get more action. There's nothing going on in the summer. We don't want to lay off our employees. So we're going to give a give back to the betters, basically giving them this dime line. And that has carried over. I'm shocked that it has at most books here through 2021. Now, 
there's 162 games. Like, isn't that like the more information that you get? The I mean, isn't that always one of the issues? I mean, there's there's no other sport that comes even to clo- close to playing 162 games. So so how does how does this information sort out with better since there seemingly is new information every night when it comes to uh, when it comes to Major League Baseball? You know, it's a great point. And by the end of the year, you can make the case that we know more about all these baseball teams than we will ever know about an NFL team, than we will know about a college football team. So you're spot on. By August, we have a really, really exceptional idea of just how good all the teams are because we do get to see so many games. So a lot of the pros do like to attack baseball earlier in the year before it becomes clear to all who the best pitchers are, who the best teams are for that year. Are you one of the pros that likes to do that? You know, I do, but I'm going to be honest. I have always struggled betting baseball compared to other sports. And a big part of that is you just – it is so – Analyze, and there's so many statistics in baseball that I find it very difficult to get an edge on a baseball game that I can find in terms of other sports. As an example, right now, spring football, FCS football is going on. There's no real interest. We don't talk about it, but it's not unusual where you would see 10-point line moves on those games. The lines are just completely wrong and open because the bookmaker doesn't have enough data. Some of these teams haven't even played in 18 months. Uh Contrast that with all the spring training games and the prior data, all the prior matchups. So much is known in baseball that it, the analytic geeks have taken over and basically mastered most of the numbers. Well, this is this is what I'm like trying to trying to sort out as I, as I'm learning because I honestly listen. I've I've placed wagers on football games, have placed wagers on NBA games, done it with college basketball before, done it with golf. Never wanted to never wanted to do baseball just because as I as I kinda laid out, it just seemed like it was more, you know, more even keel with that, you know, something different happening each day. Maybe maybe if I'm watching a game and, and Walker Bueller's pitching for the Dodgers and I say, Okay, well they got their number five starter, maybe that's going to reel me in. But I've never I've I've never really been been drawn to it because it, to to me it just it just seems like the I don't want to say that the teams are even, that it's more of the 50-50 shot or the payoff isn't there. But to me, it just doesn't it, – it doesn't seem like – I know that the Kansas City Chiefs are a much better football team than, say, the Houston Texans. You know, in, in, in baseball – do we have that sort of like identity? Like, is that still applicable when it comes to these teams? Because record-wise, I know that there's a gap, but in the NFL, we see it week, you know, week in and week out. Chiefs are fourteen and two, Texans are four and twelve. In baseball, it still seems like these teams are a little bit closer than what we would get from the NFL. Yeah, you're spot on there because if you look, when we had a 16-game schedule, oftentimes we would have the the best NFL team would be lined around 12 wins, the expectation, meaning they're supposed to win 75% of their games. The very worst teams, think about the year the Miami Dolphins were supposed to tank, they were lined around four, so they were supposed to win 25%. You're never going to see an over-under on a baseball team where a baseball team's projected to win 75% or even 70% of their games, and even the worst team aren't going to lose more than 70% of their games. Now, this year is a little bit of an aberration. Your Dodgers, 103.5, so a historically high season win on the Dodgers, which obviously are just loaded. And the Pittsburgh Pirates send them to AAA. 
58 and a half wins for their season win. And Dan, I don't see anybody rushing to the window to bet that pirate over. <laughs> no, let, let's talk about some of, some of these futures. And why it, it, is, is it just because the Dodgers are World Series champs? Is it because we actually know the players on the Dodgers as opposed to maybe some of these other teams? But why is there so much love when it comes to the Dodgers with these with these futures and and, and this in this win total entering the season? You know, I think a big part of it was last year we only played 60 games and a lot of experts correctly, in my opinion, said, you know, this is a year the underdog can really win the World Series because what's what's a short schedule, 16 teams making the playoffs, that's going to require the favorites to have to win an extra playoff series, put more teams in the running. And despite that, the Dodgers just went ahead and dominated. And if they were able to win in a 60-game series and dominate like they did, they pick up Trevor Bauer from my Reds. And this team looks better than last year's World Championship team. And they got 162 games to prove it, such that the third best team in the odds in the MLB, San Diego Padres, they're around eight to one to win the World Series. The Dodgers are minus three hundred to win that division, the NL West, despite wow. having the third best team in baseball in their division. I'm a Brewers fan, just just so you know. So there's there may be a little bit of a rivalry with Reds and Brewers, but just because of NL Central. But they aren't, they aren't hated. Heck, they weren't even in the same league for for so many years. But it, it's it's amazing to see just the the love on the Dodgers. What about what about anything that happened before? Uh, right before opening day, were there any win totals that some people are saying, "Ah, it's a little low." I like, I like the Cardinals or I like the Braves here. What about some of that late money when it came to uh, the the start of the baseball season? You know, it's interesting you brought up the Cardinals because although they're the favorite to win the division, I saw a season win on them drop from 87 down to 86. So a little money anti-Cardinal. If there's one team that I saw the sharp betters going against, it was the Cincinnati Reds without Trevor Bauer. And frankly, the Reds were kind of a darling team for the wise guys last year. They were they liked to bet on the Reds. Red season win number, I saw some 81s, dropped all the way to 79.5 in some slots. So money coming against the Cincinnati Reds. Okay, then that tells me you lose Trevor Bauer, he goes to L.A. Everybody loves L.A. Pitching seems to be the, the, the main thing. I mean, I mean, the Cardinals added Nolan Arenado, and their numbers dropped late. It seems that everybody's being brought in with with pitching. Am I fair in, in in saying that, or is there, or is that just too far of a stretch for 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 this Joe like me? I think that uh, Arenado, the feeling is maybe his numbers were a little bit inflated because of the favorable ballpark. Okay. And there's some talk about is he going to continue the numbers that he put up previously? But let me let me caveat all this. I am not a baseball expert, so whenever I'm talking baseball and individuals, I am. Not sure. the the expert here, but just globally, though, I pay great attention to the marketplace and what's going on. And frankly, there's certain teams I can tell you the betters, the sharp betters, bet on the Kansas City Royals. Their season number win number went up from seventy three and a half to seventy five. Dan, oh. don't ask me to break down the Kansas City Royals. No, don't worry, I won't. <laughs> I, don't ask me either. Don't ask Mackenzie either, because uh, none of us wants to do that. It's just interesting. I just you know like the, it, you know as a sports fan, the Cardinals are always just interesting, and yeah, yeah. 
I, I joked earlier today on how everybody, you know, the Cardinals fans, they're always the, the, the uppity ups, the they know baseball, St. Louis, they'll applaud a sacrifice bunt. They'll applaud when you move the runner over. Those St. Louis Cardinal fans, they know what they're doing. Um, yeah, trust me, I have no love for the Cardinals, but I just find it interesting. And the Arenado stuff actually makes a little sense when it comes to it. But when you're talking about names and movement and what we've got in Major League Baseball, it was one of the biggest names that uh, that we've seen. All right, like I thought, baseball was awful. I I I didn't think that there would be any any reason to bet baseball. And I know that you may not be a, be, be a fan of it, but it's interesting to see that there is so much action and the reasons behind it. Because to to me, it just seems like to me it just seems like such a coin flip. And, you know, it will be interesting, the changes this year, the designated hitter in the National League is gone for one year, so the pitchers are going to have to bat. They didn't bat last year. We're going to see some very inept sure. performances from National League pitchers trying to uh, hit the ball this year. To, to put you on the spot, and I apologize for doing so, they did keep the runner on second and in extra innings. Does that play into any of this? Will that play in, the, you know, like now like the game goes extras, extra? Is there, is there any Vegas knowledge when it comes to that? Yeah, it adds about half a run to the totals because you can have a dead nut under that can just blow up. We, you look at the Yankee game, didn't happen. Yankees went to extra innings 2-2. It's not going to be uncommon that you're going to see a 2-2 game turn into a 6-5 game because of that quirky roll. All right, so I'm on pregame.com uh, right now, and I'm seeing what I like. And, huh, maybe Astros and A's will have some interest for me later tonight. He's Steve Fezzik. I'm Dan Beyer. Mackenzie Rivers with us as well here on Straight Out of Vegas. The 17th game is here in the National Football League. But is it really good for the best of the best? We'll talk about it next on Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What's up, everyone? It's me, three-time NFL All-Pro Sean Marion, and I have a new sports podcast called the Lights Out Podcast with Sean Marion. This podcast is special to me as I get a chance to talk to some of the best who've ever done it on the field or the track. So whether it's talking to a Super Bowl champion or a NASCAR Cup Series champion, the Lights Out Podcast will bring it to you the only way I know how to. I'm giving you the best insight from the best who've ever done it. Listen to Lights Out with Sean Marion on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Straight out of Vegas, I'm Dan Byer. He's Steve Fezzik. Steve's normally here. I'm in for R.J. Bell and Jonas Knox today. Uh, Glad to have you with us on this uh, April Fool's Day. On this first day of April, what are we getting in the great city of Las Vegas temperature-wise, Mr. Fezzik? Well, we bring the fun and excitement of Vegas Sin City to you each and every day. Current temperature, 77 degrees, and the neon is blinking. Oh, blinking. It seems very comfortable for nice 77. <laughs> 77 is sweet spot. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it is, it's 76, 77, 78. If I had to pick the perfect temp, it's right there. So that is the sweet spot on the Louisville slugger of weather temperatures. Uh, and that is no joke on this uh, April Fool's Day. I think, uh, guys, Mackenzie Rivers uh, here as well as we're sitting in for uh, R.J. Bell here on Straight Out of Vegas. I think that the NFL 17th game, not that the game is is a joke. I think how they did it is a joke. I'm not a fan of the NFL's strict policy 
to lay out their schedule because I just don't think that there's creativity. I don't think that there is um, – I think it's just a, a formulaic. Uh, to me, it bothers me. Not that the 17th game is here. It's just how they decided to play the 17th game with cross-conference matchups matched up with the division that you wouldn't be playing in a normal year. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, NFL going to more parity or attempting to have it by having all the first-place teams play an extra game against other first-place teams. And I like the fact that it's very uh, follows a formula, so you could argue that it's fair. Every team is being treated equally. Dan, it sounds like you'd much rather see some maybe some regional rivalries more interest yeah, for the fans. because I also, Steve, I don't think that it is fair. I, I think that the NFL wants you to think that it's fair, but I just I don't think it's fair. Like if it's it's not fair for for me if you were to have a you know a cross conference matchup where let's say one team let's uh, let's just say that their quarterback situation and uh, hypothetically last year the 49ers ended up playing the Jets early on in the season, and so you know let's just say Sam Darnold you know is the better quarterback over Joe Flacco. I don't think it's beneficial for Seattle later on in the season if they were to get the the Jets, which they did, and there could have been a host of of injuries that makes the matchup for Seattle against the Jets a lot easier than it would be for a 49ers team that had to play you know, mostly healthy Jets team. And I'm just using that as an example, but they try to make it seem like it's fair because everybody plays the same teams and it's on this rotational basis. But to me, it's not really fair because so much can change throughout the year. And then when you put home and away into it, you bring in weather into the consideration. It's why I'm not a fan. And I just I think they're better served to have the Jets and Giants play every year. That'd be the game of the season in New York. Hey, Jets, Giants rivalry. Rams, Chargers go at it. That's what I want to see more from the NFL if when they expanded the seven to 17 games, not what they did this time around. And what's interesting, although the current system they're going to use this year is based on formula, you could certainly argue it's not necessarily fair. RJ gave me, gave me a homework assignment. Uh, he'll be back tomorrow. But he asked me to take a look at all the teams and see who benefited the most from the 17th game and who caught the shaft based upon the change. I looked at the contenders, and I can tell you the number one team that benefited the most, San Francisco 49ers. How's this for being fair, Dan? So... The NFC West gets to go and play the AFC North. Now, they have to go on the road and travel. But um, the 49ers, they get to go to Cincinnati and play the Bungles. Pretty easy game. Contrast mm -hmm. that with everyone else in their division that has to go to Pittsburgh, to Baltimore, and to Cleveland. Maybe in the wintertime, as you mentioned, major advantage, San Francisco. That's interesting because I I. I you know, and the 49ers have, have their own issues. But, yeah, when you think about the, the standings and where it plays out on where it would be a huge advantage. I, I thought in, the, in that same division, I thought a team like, like Cleveland. And I think, it's, I think it's similar to the 49ers because Cleveland had a really good year. But Cleveland's third in that division. Now, it just happens to be that they play the NFC West this year. That's, you know, could be a, you know, that uh, division is also three, four deep, but you could also get, you know, a Steelers team that we think, at least I think is going to take a step back and now they got to play the top seed. I look at the benefit of, you know, of, of a team like the, of the Browns of, of, of being in that position. Is it the same scenario that you lay out with the 49ers for a team like Cleveland? Who's Does benefit Arizona? Cleveland 
because they do get, as you mentioned, Arizona, the projected fourth place team in the NFC West. So advantage to Cleveland the later in the year they play an even bigger advantage. You know, some teams that did not get an advantage, Green Bay and the Rams. Hmm. You think you're going to play 16 games, maybe 17, then you wake up one morning and you're told if you're Green Bay, you got to go to Kansas City. And you tell the Rams you got to go to Baltimore. That's major disadvantage for those two teams. It's it, it's it lays out my point, and this is this is the point where we all want to see Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm I, I understand that portion of it. However, when you are the NFL and you go to your formulas and you want it to be, and I know you can't see this on radio, fair as I'm using the air quotes. It really isn't, and you just you just laid out you know you just laid out the numbers there is you know and I want to bring McKenzie in on on the 49er stuff. Is it just because of how bad the Bengals are or how good they could be? But we like what is it with the Niners and now how they could get that advantage? Well, the last time we played the Bengals, and I say we, my 49ers, <laughs> that's all right. It was probably the the game that changed the you know the whole projection of the oh, franchise. I know it's just the Bengals. Right. But we won by like 40 and everything was all good vibes. We had stayed an extra week on the East Coast. It, to my mind, that's when I thought we were Super Bowl contenders. So bring on the Bengals all day, every day. That was like a week two game, wasn't it? Like a week yep. two or week three? Yeah. Week two. Yeah. yeah. And they ended up because they won in Tampa the week before. And a little and that, bonding in Youngstown, Ohio, I think, before Youngstown, they crushed my bungles. That's right. Bengals are going to be better, but I, I mean, it, to, to your point, it is such a such a you know a, a huge. It, it's when you get the 49ers, who again, you, you know, you just talk about their Super Bowl run that they had in the Super Bowl Fifty Four season, and just to have their injuries and their back healthy. It's why I just I think that the NFL is is better off doing it, and and I know the argument. I know the argument, Steve, is that some teams may, uh, you know, get the get the you know the the bad end of the stick. Like if you had to, you know, if you have to go up against Kansas City every single you know every single year. Let's just say they they did a rivalry with the Vikings because it's somewhat in the area. You're like, man, we got stuck with the Chiefs. Then. There's 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 nothing that you can you can do with that. But I also think that you could have a scenario where in college football, you're always looking forward to that matchup to try to knock out those those teams. And and, and I just I, I, I think it's worth more of the payoff for to have a New York rivalry, to have an L.A. rivalry, to have a Texas rivalry, if you would, between the Texans and Cowboys, then it would be just to rotate to try to make it quote unquote fair, because I just, I know they want to make it fair. It's, you know, it's in a formula, as you said, but I just, I don't think that it's necessarily fair. I don't, I don't think that you would be getting a great disadvantage if you had a common rivalry every single year. To the NFL's credit, they did have the AFC hosting all these games, so the AFC teams will all get nine home games, the NFC nine road games. I'm very interested in terms of fairness to see what some of those road schedules will look like. I am sure there'll be at least one or two NFC teams that are going to be stuck with a really difficult four road games in five weeks with lots of travel situation. Mm, interesting. I'm going to throw a stat out at you guys, and, and I, I don't expect you to know this, but when you talk about scheduling, take playoffs out of the equation – Walter Payton, during his career with the Chicago Bears, same conference, not same division, played the New York Giants twice. 
They met twice in the playoffs, but Walter Payton's career spanned from 1975 to 1987. In games that Walter Payton, during that time, they played the New York Giants twice. Hmm. So maybe that's what the NFL, hmm. you know, wants to avoid. And I know that's why they put it on, you know, they put it on this cycle is they want they want Tom Brady in in you know well now it's an AFC but at the time they wanted him in an NFC stadium you know once every eight years like you wanted to make that go around and yeah that's all fine and good but I also thought that there was something unique about you know facing the same teams or having this long drought between a team and I just really think that in the end it doesn't necessarily matter because the NFL schedule as it is isn't fair the way that sometimes they spread out conference teams. If you wanted to put all cross-conference games in the first four weeks and play it that way, I would give them more credit in saying that they're trying to be fair. But when you have certain teams, you know, Green Bay and Tennessee, what, played in week 16 last year? And while no, there were no major injuries in that game, there could have been, and there could have been an advantage, you know, gained by a Green Bay team over a Minnesota team who ended up playing, you know, having to play Tennessee earlier on in the season. Yeah, I still remember the snow in that game and Tennessee not having the right cleats and uh, just being completely lost in terms of the footing. So certainly some games, the home field is going to be more advantageous than others. It is opening day. This is straight out of Vegas. No R.J. Bell today or Jonas Knox. You've got me, Dan Beyer. Steve Fezzik is here, as is Mackenzie Rivers. We have got you covered. And I promised, and I I promised, Fezzik's going to teach me how to card count in blackjack. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we're going to get the card counting in just a few minutes, but it is Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. No RJ Bell today. You've got me, Dan Beyer, and Steve Fezzik in for RJ. That Chris Beard news leaves Lubbock, goes to Austin. Uh, how, how does that shake out in the great city of Las Vegas? Well, Chris Beard had a cup of coffee with UNLV. I think he was our coach for two weeks before he parlayed that into a better job at Texas Tech. And I got to tell you, as a basketball town with a team that's been struggling and we watched what Chris Beard did with Texas Tech. That's a team that won less than half their games the five years before he came aboard. And then they won two-thirds of their games, made an Elite Eight, made the Final Four in the championship game. And it's bittersweet to see all of his success thinking about what might have been had he come to UNLV. <laughs> And as he said, it was a cup of coffee because it was it was just a it was a a a blip. It was looking at here. Okay, March twenty seventh, twenty sixteen, took the job as you mentioned, then took the Texas Tech job on April fifteenth. So I guess the moral of the story is he just didn't win in Vegas. That's that's what happened uh, with Chris Beard. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, he will be the new head coach of the of the Texas Longhorns. I didn't realize that uh, UNLV fans held a grudge for so long. Man, that's we that's... we're a city of high expectations, and we're willing to find someone to blame <laughs> our deficiencies on. Uh, quick question before I get to the ca- card counting. I, I, I kind of threw this out there uh, to you guys yesterday when I was finding out, you know, what was going on with the show. Is there a lot of money bet on the women's tournament? No. In fact, most of the books won't even put lines up on the women's tournament until they actually get put on national TV right around the Sweet 16. And then when the games start to get televised, that's when you'll see lines get put up and to 
by contrast, you walk up and you say, you know, I'd like to bet three thousand on NCAA tournament game. No problem at most sports books. You ask for three thousand on a women's game. Most books will look at you like you're from Mars, and they'll say, you know, you can have five hundred. The books have no confidence in their numbers, and very difficult okay. to price those games. That's interesting. That's what I wondered. I wondered on how much information they actually had, which apparently is is very little, and. To your point about not being able to uh, to put a big amount on, it makes some sense. I just assumed everybody would go there and bet on UConn and call it a day. That <laughs> that that would have been my advice if I was. But uh, don't take my advice. Uh, please don't. I'm going to take the advice of one Steve Fezzik. Now, I, Fez, I don't want to. I don't want to. You're not a bragger. I know you. I know your bench press. I mean, like I, I've heard you know the stories and I've heard the greatness <laughs> of that. But but the 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 question that I now have for you is: um, Do you think you're up to the challenge in teaching me how to card count in blackjack in under five minutes? I can do it in 45 seconds. Oh, all right. Okay. This is like name uh, name that tune. All right, Mackenzie, you alone. Well, you you know how to card count, Mackenzie. I mean, like this is this is gonna be this is gonna be a Dan sort of learning effort. And for those of you that are listening, you can learn as well. We are entering the master class of Steve Fezzik when it comes to, to card counting. Fez, the floor is yours. 10-second caveat, you need to know basic strategy. First in Blackjack, you can purchase a little card in all the gift shops here in Nevada. It'll tell you if you have 13, the dealer has a 3, you're supposed to stand. So you got to go ahead and memorize basic strategy or just have the card and be able to reference it, which is fine at the table. Let's get to actually card counting where we can get an advantage. We want to bet more money when there's a lot of tens and aces left. It's like that movie Rain Man. Tens are good for us, Ray. Bet more. Bet more when there's tens. (laughs) Lots of them. Lots and lots of queens. Okay. Here's your card counting system. And it's simple. Whenever you see a ten, a jack, a queen, a king, or an ace, those are bad cards. You don't like those. You count minus one whenever you see one of those because it's bad for you. Negative counts are bad. If you see a baby card, Defined to be a two, a three, a four, a five, or a six. Those are good because you've gotten rid of them. There's more tens and aces left in the deck. Example, your very first hand, you get a ten and a jack, you get 20. You tuck, and the dealer has a queen and a king. Dealer has 20. Both of you have 20. Both of you have two big cards. The running count is minus four. That's bad for you because you've got a negative count. You want to stop playing at all or bet the minimum. If the opposite happened and on the very first hand you hit, I'll do an extreme example, you get a pair of fours, you hit it three times, you wind up with 20. You've got five little cards there and say the dealer went ahead and had a seven up, flipped over uh, a 10. Now you'd have a running count of plus four. You have five little ones. The dealer has a large card. The net counts plus four. It's favorable for you, so you bet more. You have the advantage. That is card counting in a nutshell. Does not matter if it's one deck or if it's six decks. You um, you still keep the same count. The one trick is that, or I guess complication, if it's multiple decks, you have to divide by the number of decks remaining. That's card counting in a nutshell. Okay, so, so here we are, and, and that is the master class from Steve Fezzik. I am not a good test test taker, but I want you to put me to the test here, okay? Can you just give me, let's go three scenarios. We'll just do three hands, but we'll do them individually. So I'll do a hand first, do a hand second, do a hand third, and then we'll see how I do here. Can you just give me my cards and the dealer's cards, and I will try to guess if it's a good or bad hand for me. Is that cool? Sure. Uh, First hand, you have an ace and a seven, and the dealer has a five. What do you do? 
Okay, well, that is, oh, geez. Um, well, there's a, it's a minus one because there's an ace, but there would be a good card because there's a five out there. Um, I guess I would, I would, I would, I would, I would stay because I would. Have You're actually 18. supposed to double down. That's from oh, the double card. Down. But, okay, but I love it. You have the count exactly correct. The seven, eights, and nines are neutral cards. They don't count for anything. So your count is correct. One little card, one big card. The running count is zero. You're spot on. Okay. All right. Good. And maybe what I'll do is instead of like the actual bet, I'll just say if it's advantageous for me or not. Is that good enough? Very good. Okay. Perfect. Give me another hand. Uh, you get dealt a six and a two, and the dealer has a three up. Okay, uh, that's there. That's a lot of low cards, so there are a lot of tens. So that's good for me. Right? That is would, correct. And yes. what is your what is your count at that point? Plus what three. You, you got it. That's all, all right. right. All right. You got it. All right. I hope you're in your car. I hope you can remember this. There's one more quiz. Let's see if I can go for the hat trick. You get dealt a blackjack, and the dealer has a 10-up. Unfortunately, the dealer flips an ace in the hole. Dealer has blackjack also, so you push the hands. Should you? Uh, what's your running count after that hand? That would be a minus four. You nailed it. Yes. And, all right. And at that point, you want to pretend your phone rang. Walk away because <laughs> the house has a bigger <laughs> edge because you just used up the tens and the aces. Oh, there it is. The the master class on uh, blackjack. I will have to put it to use. And uh, that is OK. That's that's simple enough to to follow there. As, as you could tell, there are certain other ins and outs, double downs and stuff like that. But really, the basic necessities is just all you need there. And Steve Fezzik. I kid you not, it did it in under five minutes. Bravo. Well done. Very well done. It is straight out of Vegas. No R.J. Bell today. That's why you've got Steve Fezzik and me, Dan Beyer. Mackenzie Rivers also hanging out as well. Jonas Knox out for the day as well. So we have got you covered, Steve McKenzie and myself. And we've got you covered on this opening day, which will turn into opening night. Fezzik's best bet coming up next here on Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Dan Byer. He's Steve Fezzik. We're in for R.J. Bell. Jonas Knox also out today. Mackenzie Rivers hanging out with us as well. So you've got us three to get you through this uh, this opening day. Before we look ahead, guys, on what's on the docket and Fez's uh, best bet, uh, we are halfway through day one of the Major League Baseball season. We've seen extras in New York. We've seen the Brewers uh, rally. What are we seeing so far in our first day of baseball uh, from the betting angle as we are uh, trending towards the night games tonight? You know, Dan, the number one takeaway, I think, is we got to take a look at there was talk that maybe the baseball was not going to be as juiced this year. Well, I'm seeing some pretty high-scoring games. The Reds go ahead and give up a touchdown in the first quarter, excuse me, the first inning. Kansas City game, 5-5 in the second inning. So a lot of very high-scoring games despite Aces pitching. We'll keep an eye on it. I don't think that that baseball is unjuiced this year. 
So, are, were there a lot more action, or is there are the when when you have an opening day like this, when you usually you you probably have ace versus ace. I mean, that's you know, I mean, I wouldn't see any other other reason. Are there any effects of 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 an opening day? Are we seeing more people bet on the Yankees just because the Yankees are back back playing? But uh, but but how do we look at some of these? I guess heavy favorites, if you will. You know, speaking of the heavy favorites, I want to go ahead and um, I'm going to use a system here. Quoted, uh, I know McKenzie and Research did this. RJ is a believer in it. I'll call it the Goldilocks opening day favorite uh, betting system. Okay. And by Goldilocks, you can't have too big a favorite. You can't have too small a favorite. What you need is a favorite between minus 125 and minus 199. If you just bet teams, doesn't have to be opening day, but in their very first game, and you bet the favorite. That was favored in that quarter, minus 125 to minus 199. This is since 2004. Amazingly, you win 112 games, you lose 44. You're up 46 units just doing that, Dan. There were four games today. Already two of them have lost, Cleveland and New York. Kansas City and Tampa Bay qualified. They're both winning, so we're keeping an eye on this system. Mackenzie, correct me. Did I get that system correct? Absolutely. Wow. 100% accurate. I would assume the Dodgers were probably heavy favorites today. I know the game's still going on right now, bottom of the seventh. Too big down. of a favorite. Minus 225. Yeah, that's okay. Lends to it. The theory is that if you're oftentimes in baseball, a minus 170 favorite eh, takes the opponent a little bit lightly, isn't fully focused, but on opening day, everyone is focused except for perhaps teams like the Dodgers, teams like the Yankees that are enormous favorites where eh, it's opening day, but we know we're much better. So that's why we cut this off at minus 199. We don't lay more than that. Okay, we are going to get to your best bet. I don't want people to think that we're not going to, but is there something on the flip side of that with the Padres because of their great expectations this year could they be feeling any pressure already and again their game isn't over so it's not in the books but they've also blown a uh, i believe a 6-1 lead so far like is there could there be anything into that with a team like the padres and i believe they were in that uh, they, they were outside that range too weren't they like minus 200 or something mckenzie would have the, the actual yeah money came on the padres i saw they went up to like minus 230 i believe as a huge favorite and here's a padre team dan you nailed it they're not used to being in this situation at all this is projected to be the best padre team we've seen in a long long time as evidenced by their season win number that was sitting right at 94 and a half and the number three choice just behind the dodgers and then the yankees to win the world series can this be right the padres are good Man, <laughs> oh, the the pressure is on. They're feeling it. They did even it up with the Diamondbacks. So, uh, hey, if there's a gambling number, it's seven seven in the seventh right now in San Diego. So I, I I don't know what that means. Again, this is my first time filling in on Straight Out of Vegas. I'm usually sitting at the news desk and telling you guys the facts. But hey, that that's a good thing when you three uh, see three sevens up on the board. All right, Fez, let's get to it. The best bet. Uh, it is April first. It is uh, opening day going to be turning into opening night what is your best bet on this thursday april april 1st we're actually going to go to tomorrow opening day because it got delayed baltimore orioles boston rain so they're going to play tomorrow i know rj likes this play as well we're going to take the boston red sox minus 165 which fits right about at the midpoint of the favorites we like to play anywhere from minus 125 to minus 199 best bet we're going to blindly play the system here 
Boston minus 165 against a Baltimore Oriole team that is projected to be really bad. How bad? Their season win number, I saw 64.5 earlier in the year. It's down to 63.5. Second worst team in baseball, Pittsburgh Pirates. Right now, the the leading contender to be the worst team. We're on Boston minus one sixty five. People think they call them the O's because of the Orioles. They call them the O's because they have zero chance of making the playoffs this year. <laughs> so that's that is a little known fact. That may not have been true. I may have thrown that in there. And I'll say this: good job on on you, Fez, for pointing out the amount of runs today. Because even with snowflakes in Cincinnati and Detroit, I think they got about a half inch of accumulation. But Miguel Cabrera was even able to go yard. Uh, yeah, you're seeing some. You're you're seeing more and more offense in Major League Baseball. So they can say whatever they want to say, what they're doing with the baseball and this and that. If you, if Miguel Cabrera is hitting dingers when it's snowing, that ball is flying. Guys, thanks for having me. This was fun. Anytime, Dan. Anytime. Uh, for Mackenzie Rivers and Steve Fezzik, I'm Dan Beyer. What a blast it's been filling in on Straight Out of Vegas for RJ Bell. Have a great Thursday. Enjoy the baseball. Talk to you again. Straight out of Vegas!